Hello, this is Tom Pacello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast, sponsored by sales enablement platform provider, Mediafly. Our mission, to provide you with the independent insights, community advice, and tools to guide your sales enablement journey and fuel your professional evolution. My guests today are Tim Brome and Jan Eric. They're the hosts of the Sales Excellence Podcast, a program that's dedicated to driving success in software B2B sales and pre-sales. Tim, he's currently Enterprise Solution Consultant with Sales Performance Management Firm, Exactly. And he was formerly a pre-sales specialist with SAP. And Jan Eric, he's a pre-sales leader for SAP's Customer Experience Group. And he's formerly a pre-sales professional with Calidus Cloud and with Salesforce. Evolvers, please, a warm welcome for Tim and Jan Eric. Thanks All for right, having Jan. us, Tom. Thank you. Jan, we'll start with you to uh, get us started. Predictions are from my good friend, Mary Shea from Forrester, 80% of selling will be digital. So that means you know users going online, researching on their own, your solution, consuming content digitally and remote. Obviously we're not meeting with sell uh, with buyers as much as we want. Um, her predictions are that this is not just for now, but going forward. We're not gonna ever go back to the time where we're doing in-person meetings in any semblance of any level that we had before. What's your take on that research, John? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I I, I would agree, right? Um, and uh, we also see it. So customers are much more informed than a couple of years back, right? Um, and they get all that stuff from uh, the digital medias, right? You have the internet, they do their research, and they are very well prepared and um, also very educated before they even start uh, getting getting in touch with you. And I would also agree that uh, a lot of the yeah, negotiations, pitches, presentations, discovery meetings, all that stuff, it's already um, virtual and, and remote and that will continue. But I would also say, and I'm really looking forward to that, that you will have the one or the other meeting again in, in, in person in the future. Yeah, Tim, how about you? Are you looking to get back out on the road and meet with customers face-to-face again? Or are you happy being home? That, that is a big resounding yes. In fact, just <laughs> yesterday I was checking, hey, look, I still have this freaking flyer card. It will, will be invalid in a couple of weeks. Um, and so that just shows you how, how much I used to travel. Um, but I think, well, based on my, my perception, the 80% is pretty in line with what I perceive, right? I think a lot of companies are noticing that a lot of things can be done remotely uh, for all its merits and disadvantages. Um, but it, it is working, right? Um, I mean, also here at exactly, we're closing deals here and there. So it's like, it's sort of business as usual for some companies. And they notice it just works without on-site meetings. That being said, I pers- that being said me personally, I'm very much looking forward to travel again. And I think... If you look at those uh, high caliber type of sales engagements, which have maybe months up to maybe even years of sales cycles, which have high contract values, you will still have that presence at some point during the sales cycle. I'm quite convinced of that. Absolutely. Tim, I think it would be great to go and meet those key accounts again, build that personal relationship beyond just the digital relationship. Although, as you said, many executives have seen that you can have success and keep people home, not have those big travel budgets and uh, save, and in some cases do sales better. Um, what are some of the benefits you've seen of being remote, Tim? So I, I think the 
the most obvious one is that you just actually can get a lot more done if you cut out the, the traveling. I mean, I, I still remember if you travel like into Eastern Europe, um, I used to live, live in Africa for some time. You always had to book, uh, block two to three days for a trip, yeah. right? You go there, maybe you the flight is only in the afternoon, then you have to go a day early, then the meeting is the next morning and so on. Traveling takes a lot of time and um, it's only, it's time that is most in most cases it's sort of wasted because i mean at least i personally i cannot really concentrate on a plane i cannot concentrate sitting at an airport and actually getting work done maybe checking the occasional email but not really like focused productive work so with that all now gone um i think well we have more time available to us to to do these sort of value added work but that being said we also have to pace ourselves because it has been also a bit overwhelming at times i was going to say a lot of complaints that i see are that we're back to back to back with all of our meetings little time to prepare for the next yep. one, and then little time to wrap up the prior one are you seeing the same thing a absolutely um pretty pretty much um like in the past few weeks i mean we're sort of in q4 now and in, in exactly which means a lot of back-to-back -back meetings for sure um, internal preparations but also customer facing meetings and at a high pace we have a couple of engagements where there's meetings every two to three days which is in theory obviously it's good right because having a close relationship with your prospects uh, will will only help you in the deal cycle but um those type of meetings you wouldn't have had that in such high frequency in an on-site world so to say Absolutely. Jan, Jan, Eric, what do you think uh, is the biggest benefit that you've seen in going remote? Yeah, so let me let me add a story here. Um, beginning of the year, if I would have uh, told the salesperson, hey, there is that upcoming meeting, right? Let's do it remote, right? So it's okay to do it remote, decent deal size, all that stuff, right? No, it's not possible, right? We need to go on site. So why, why is that? It's better, right? So now being in that situation, what I see is really um, that the sales team, so the sales people, the pre-sales people, we are really evolving as um, as a team, right? In that digital digital world, because now people who have told me in January it's impossible to do it remote, they're telling me, you know, all these cool tools we have now available, so we can make that engaging right and i realized hey it's possible to build report via a remote meeting so seeing that kind of evolution um and these these learnings with with, with all the people around me i think this is a huge um uh, benefit not not just for us also for for our customers right we can also say um okay we need that specific kind of meeting. We need to bring four people for that meeting. If we would like to do it uh, on-site, we can do it in four weeks. If we can do it remotely, we can do it tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. And you as a customer, you really get immediately what you need, right? And yeah, it works remote. So, yeah, so that increased cadence, I think, is a big one. The other thing that I've seen, uh, Jan and Tim, is just the amount of folks that you can get in the room, in the virtual room is much, much higher. And then it seems to me like the level has been higher. Like you're actually engaging with more members of the buying committee and even higher within the organization. Are you all seeing the same thing, Tim? I would tend to agree. Yeah, there were a couple of engagements that I can now specifically remember. I mean, it's just a matter of, I mean, I'm, my perspective obviously quite limited to what I perceive in my daily job, right? But in that sense, I would I would say yes. So there, it's it seems to be a bit easier to get access to like SVP type of level, um, and actually have also regular conversations with these guys. They're actually willing to jump on on these um, calls, of course, 
still the uh, the honor is, is on us to provide the value during those calls to the guys are willing to rejoin it. But once you get that covered, um, they they seem to be more inclined to do that. So would tend to agree. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest challenge that you faced? You know, being a pre-sales professional. Uh, you know, running, supporting these successful virtual meetings, what are you having the most challenges with, you know, in the beginning and then certainly still through to today? Uh, I think Tim mentioned it already. Um, we, we need to be careful, right, about how many engagements at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, th this is, so what I realized is so we, we were heading into that situation and then people realized, oh, we have uh, so much time and it's so much easier to, to get engaged. And then the expectations uh, got up, right, from the customers, mm -hmm. but also from our sales colleagues saying, I mean, you're home anyway, right? So why can't we do that meeting tomorrow? Yeah, yeah your calendar's they, open, right? They can see your calendar and they, schedule it right there. They, exactly. So just realizing and reflecting what does it really mean being in that situation and what it does with, with yourself because you're at home, you're working from home and it seems there is no limit, right? Um, but stepping stepping a little bit back and, and just saying, hey, what's important to me as, as a human, right? And what do I need to refresh and relax and 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 staying and staying motivated? And uh, so we discussed that very openly with uh, within our teams and we decided hey these are the kind of guidelines and rules we would like to give to ourselves to to stay healthy right to stay in shape and to stay motivated so i i think that was the biggest kind of yeah finding um if if you will and then i think it's just important to to look at it to reflect to discuss and to to agree on how to how to move forward tim what have you been challenged the most with and kind of how have you overcome that so I would say there's there's two challenges. One is maybe a bit of a personal one, and the other one is very much um, a professional one. So on the personal level, I love doing pre-sales because it allows me to travel and it allows me to see the world. And obviously that's completely <laughs> out of the picture now. And it's really exactly. a part that I was missing. In fact, just this morning, I was sending a picture that I took in Paris three years ago to a colleague and said, hey guys, do you remember this? This was awesome. I mean, to be honest, we didn't win the deal at the time, but the trip was really memorable yeah um and that is that is missing and sort of um this is one of the reasons why i'm looking forward that we can sort of get back to it and i sort of have now to adapt my mindset toward my own job to say okay traveling is not part of the picture anymore and definitely not to the extent that it used to and um still i want to enjoy it of course mm -hmm. so that's the personal challenge the the professional challenge is um I'm really missing the feedback given by prospects, right? When you go into a room and you pitch something there for like two hours, you can read people's faces, the expressions they have in their eyes and their mouths and what they say, how they, well, the, the general demeanor towards you, mm -hmm. whether they're receptive or whether they maybe don't. And then you can address it immediately based on what you feel in the room. And I have been on a couple of calls now in the past six months where there's maybe 10, 12 people from the prospect all video out, completely on mute, and you talking to a wall. And it's yeah, like, no after two hours, yeah, did I do well? Did I didn't do well? Like, give me anything, right? It's, <laughs> it's really tough. And how to battle that? I think it's a tough one. And to be honest, I think I've seen a huge bandwidth on this one. Just um, two days ago, I was on a call with a prospect. Everyone had video on. Everyone was extremely engaging. So it's like very much culture dependent also, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in, in some cases, it takes care of itself by having that open culture, by turning the video on, unmuting themselves. In other cases, of course, what you can do is you can ask. Hey, I really would love it if everyone can turn their video on, maybe unmute yourself just so we have a bit of a 
collaboration here um, and some people then do it and some don't and yeah. that's tough. And I think, uh, you know, as you're demonstrating, as you're presenting, um, I've got a sign up on my desk, slow your roll, um, you know, slow down. I think it's hard to interrupt yeah. and get words in when you're trying to collaborate online. Um, and then ask a lot of questions. But like you're saying, Tim, sometimes just the audience isn't there and they're, they're using the meeting, you know, they're, par they're participating, they're there, but they're just introverted and they're, you know, they use this as a great excuse to turn off the video, turn off the sound and yep. uh, turn off their, their voice in the meetings and are relishing in it. Meanwhile, you're fueled by that because you're an extrovert and you're missing out on everything that, that is so good about participating live. Um, Co-creation and kind of using the virtual meeting to um, be creative, I think is also somewhat of a challenge. Um, Jan, do you wanna talk about that? Um, you know, how have you found that, you know, we normally would go up to a whiteboard and I'd hand the customer a marker, I'd have a marker and maybe we're co-creating a solution or drawing something out. It's hard to get into those reimagining and co-creation sessions in virtual meetings. Yeah. So I don't think it's hard from um, a kind of technology point of view, right? The tools are all there and, and available. Of course, you need to set up your infrastructure like that and you need mm -hmm. to figure out what kind of tool you would like to use. I think it's more that mindset and mentality that you say, okay, I'm in that virtual room, right? And it's not like a normal meeting room, where's my whiteboard and uh, my pencil and, and, and all that stuff. So it's a it's a mind shift from my perspective. And I think it's definitely possible, right? But I'm also with you and Tim. I think the audience or the customer need to be willing to, to deal with that, right? But you can make it really interactive, right? Um, like not just a simple PowerPoint or something. Uh, you can use all these annotation tools uh, to point out specific things, to set a spotlight. Uh, you can use uh, kind of survey tools or Mentimeter or, or stuff like that. You can have uh, digital whiteboards. You can have a mural, for example, to, to name another tool. And you can make it um, a, a real collaboration, right? So like, let's, let's use a specific phase like discovery. Right. Um, I mean, just simply share your screen with your mind map or your whiteboard and let people participate. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's not in the room and you're not standing on the whiteboard, but I would say there are ways and we need to open up a little bit and we need to think about what makes sense, what are we comfortable with? And then also sell and pitch it a little bit to, to our customers, because then it will also be for these guys a little bit more fun yeah. from my experience. Right. Absolutely. Tim, anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, it has already been important during an on-site world, but now even more so, I think we all have to wonder about audience attention management, mm -hmm. right? If you are sitting in a four-hour meeting, you just have to make sure that you are telling your story in a way that is engaging and involving, right? Use great pictures, maybe use videos, tell anecdotes, anything that makes it more tangible, Um in a one or two hour meeting that you're doing in an actual room, maybe you can get away with a bit of a feature function shotgun approach um, by having maybe great um, general body language or maybe having an engaging voice, but it's not going to cut it. Um, if you sit in these longer meetings, you have to sort of become creative. And I think create an experience and engagement that is memorable and that is becoming just more important. Yeah, we've seen you know a lot of 
sellers show up with big decks and think they need to fill the the room with that deck, right? Because if people aren't sharing video and there's, you know, they're not comfortable using a whiteboard, they've kind of devolved into using big deck presentations, linear presentations. And what we're recommending is definitely throw that away. Um, create a presentation that almost has built-in discovery. So you can click on different pieces and explore different uh, vignettes and stories and almost use it like a discovery tool. So I think there's definitely a spot for interactive presentations, visually dynamic presentations. We have the mm-hmm. attention span of goldfish nowadays, less than <laughs> seconds. Right? Every eight seconds, you've got to do something visually or change your inflection, your version, but something to capture someone's attention. But think about that. Every eight seconds in a how many hour meeting that you've got to really entertain. And I think that's part of it. Now, um, Jan, you were mentioning earlier just how much research people do online. And what I'm seeing is because they're doing so much of that research, they don't want that kind of traditional presentation. And in fact, we're getting a lot of calls where they're asking for the demo right away. They're like, look, I don't want to hear you know any presentation or anything. I already researched it. Just show me what you got. Are, are you seeing that same thing? No, never, never. <laughs> of, of course, right? And then it's also the sales guy telling me, yeah, 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 the customer called me. They would like to see a demo. Let's 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 yeah. get it done. So no no offensive uh, with, with my beloved salespeople here. Definitely, we are we are seeing that. Um, and maybe even more than, than before, because now everyone is like, hey, it's digital and you need to be available for that stuff. Calendar was free. Just just book a book book a standard demo, right? Um, I, I don't like it, and I don't think uh, we, we we should uh, always say yes to it, right? So we should yeah. still look at it um, very, very uh, precisely and qualify hard um, and also kind of educate our, our sales counterparts to have, let's say, the right talk track in place mm-hmm. um, to... to to walk the customer into into the right direction, and I mean, I always say, hey, if it's just that standard demo, and you would like to see uh, what we have, go to YouTube, right? It's yeah, all there. there's videos can, there, right? You can you can watch it and really try to convert it into a conversation, right? So I'm not here to show you a stupid standard demo, right? Because I don't even understand why should that beneficial for you, Mister Potential Customer. Let's have a serious conversation about you about your business, about what is really important to you. And of course, you can mix it with some sneak peeks and all these nice things, right? But again, to me, that's a mindset piece. And that is something where you should really collaborate within your um, sales team about how to to approach that. Uh, Because I don't believe that it's the right approach to just go into into demo and then it's like oh can you click here and what happens there and blah 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 i mean why 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 is that relevant to you it, it's not right at, at the end of the day so let's really figure out at the beginning can you and i have um a relevant conversation about your business and if so i'm more than happy to spend time with you if not here is the website here's the youtube channel here's the newsletter um and come back to me when you're ready. And I don't mean that in a d- disrespectful way, right? So, um, but the customer's time is valuable. My time is valuable. So let's figure out where we are in in the process. Yeah, use the demo as a, almost a discovery tool as well. Like we're using our PowerPoints. I think there's a capability for that where you're still showing off the tool, but you're doing it in a workshop or a 
collaborative fashion as opposed to just to show up and throw up every feature that it has. And Tim, we've seen you know, neuroscience studies that in times of uncertainty like this, complexity is multiplied people seeing a demo, if they're seeing all of the features, they're just seeing complexity, 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 as opposed to a demo that's maybe focused specifically on solving their problems. How do you overcome that kind of demo request and the, the trap that's easy to fall in into the show everything because you're really proud of it? Yeah, I think we have to really leave our ego at the front door, right? Mm -hmm. um, we have to make it about the customer in the end. And I think what Jan just said, basically, um, yeah, is also my mindset on it. We have to not only sell the concept of doing proper discovery to our sellers, we have to sell the concept of that to our customers, right? Because for them, uh, as Jan said, it's also valuable time that they're spending on it and the time should be spent in the most relevant way. How do we make it more relevant? Well, by understanding you first, right? It's like going to the doctor. You don't want to go to the doctor and he's prescribing your bill while you haven't even explained what your issue is, right? How are you going to trust that pill to fix you up? <laughs> it, it won't. You won't trust it. So that's that's the thing. So I think it's it's on. It's pretty much also a question of maturity of the sales organization. Um, that's it's an indicator to me how mature a sales organization is if how they approach this. Recently, we had a roundtable. Uh, in Germany, a solution sales roundtable where one of the sales leaders said, okay, if I have sellers in my department that go to pre-sales and say, hey, let's do a demo for these guys, they get reprimanded for it because that's not how they want to engage with their clients. Mm -hmm. I don't think sometimes we do ourselves a favor by putting up book a demo buttons on websites, yeah. but um, that's just for the account executive sort of to manage the expectations there properly. But yeah. I think there's very good reasons as, as Jan elaborated to do it like that. Yeah, and I think you do have to do that discovery. You know, we see doctors here in the States, um, you know, they'll go, clients and patients will go on WebMD, they'll self-diagnose themselves. They'll sometimes even walk into the physician saying, here's my problem, here's the drug I want, give it to me. Um, and as a good doctor, just as a good pre-sales, a good salesman, you got to say, okay, hold on. Let's, you know, that may be the case. We may end up there, but let's do a little bit of discovery. Let's kind of work around, you know, work through this a little bit and make sure that's exactly what you want or talk about that. You know, here's what that drug does. Here's what it solves. What pain are you having? And, and kind of reverse into a discovery process. I think you have to be respectful in some ways that you have to show something to the customer if they're asking for the demo. You can't completely resist and say, okay, no, I'm going to, you know, ask you 30 questions now before we get there. But um, so you have to shape it to where you are meeting their need of wanting to see the solution, but at the same time, making sure you're doing that proper discovery. And it's a, a little bit of a dance, a little bit of a balancing act. I think that's what makes you, Jan and Tim, so good in pre-sales is your skill set to be able to do that. Another area that I see pre-sales being really important is We've seen a lowering of executive approval clip levels. We've seen a rise of what we call kind of cross-functional COVID review and approval committees, the rise of the CF no. Um, financial justification, right, is another element that's become really important. Um, what are you guys seeing, Tim, when it comes to financial justification? What are you seeing and what are you helping sellers on with regard to meeting buyers' needs to have that justification to get the approval and get through the committee gauntlet? Yeah, I mean, Tom, when, when you opened up the show today, you said, I'm the RI guy, right? That's what <laughs> you said. And I, I'm a very firm believer in that. So um, when I joined Calidus Cloud a couple of years ago, um, it was one of the first things I had a look at because 
when you go to the exec executive level, those people that hold the budget to make yes or no type of decisions, they will always want to understand what's in it for us. That's quite mm -hmm. clear. So financial justification is the definitely the key to that. Um, one one of the questions that that is driving me is when is the right point in time to actually go there to do an in-depth ROI. But I think in, in almost any sales um, cycle, you will have to have that conversation. How do I assist with that? So um, for, for us, it's sort of like a shared responsibility between the account executive and the pre-seller. So we both work on it and we typically have like, I don't know, the top five questions we need to ask in order to come up with at least a rough estimation on what the return on investment will be and we use that sort of to lure our prospects into the conversation because that makes them curious mm -hmm. when when you put something up and then we take it from there and then it's the challenge is of course identifying the right stakeholders within the prospect that can really answer then the underlying deeper questions when you go to level two then to make it then really refined but the the beauty is or the, the key to success i would say is making it a collaboration as opposed to sending them a pdf and say here's your roi no involve them and do it together with them and that has has uh, really worked well in the past yeah we've really enjoyed working with michael Ketchmere and the, the, <laughs> yes. the corporate team on that and they've done a great job of building very quickly that program for you guys so that's yeah fun. yeah he's good um jan um your take on the financial justification. And also I'll expand that a little bit, just the, the challenges that we're seeing in the later stages of the sales cycle and the approval process. I, I don't know about you guys, but we're seeing deals really stall in those last stages. Um, it's really hard to get through these committees now in the gauntlet that's being set up uh, to the buying uh, champion within the organization. They're really struggling to get their projects approved and through. So first of all, from a pre-sales perspective, uh, I, I would say um, definitely look at it from the sales side of things, right? So try to get an understanding how these things are, are moving and how they are handled within your company and what kind of hurdles uh, salespeople need to need to jump over and, and deal on with, uh, with, with the customer because I believe it's it's not simple, right? So it's mm -hmm. really, really complex. And as pre-sales people, we are often like, oh, you know, you just need to close the deal and sign the contract. And why is this not happening? We, we did the hard part with the demo, all <laughs> that stuff. So I, I think it's a good exercise uh, for, uh, for, for pre-sales people to really dig into that to get um, a better understanding. But what I realize, it's absolutely important to, to align on these topics and talk about these topics as early as possible, right? What I have uh, seen a lot is that um, people using a concept like selling by discount, right? Mm -hmm. So, and to me, that means we are not convinced by our, by, by our own product. We don't believe we can sell it at, uh, at a certain price. So how should the customer believe, right? Mm -hmm. And people giving discounts with, with, without getting anything back. Right. So if, if I give you something, you need to be my reference customer. You need to do a video with whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So having that kind of sense uh, for the topic. Right. So why should we give money away with, without people asking for it? Right. And that whole kind of, yeah, it's just the list price. So we, we will make it blah, blah, blah. Right. And as Tim said, if you really bring it, if you really have a value-based process mm -hmm. and then you step into that ROI discussion and really try to open up with, with your customer and they starting realizing, oh, there's so much more stuff we, we need to think about. And we can have savings here and we can make it better for the company and the people there. So yeah, let's have that discussion. That's valuable to me, right? But I often realize that 
um, our own sales, they don't believe in it, right? So they are not kind of, I don't know, secure enough to, to, to really get that started. So I think it's important to have people dedicated to it, people helping the sales organization with it and, and giving them the right tools um, to, to have these conversations. I think, as Tim said, as pre-sales, we can really support that, right? So here are the top five questions. This is the starting point. And then mm -hmm. we are helping you and we bring in the ROI engineer or whoever is needed from, from the organizations. Then I think it will make your deal bigger and more valuable uh, because if you don't talk about it, the benefits, the financial benefits, so why should the, the customer spend um, more money on it? Um, Especially in so, tight times like we're, we're facing where there's just uncertainty and even companies that are doing well have tightened down the hatches, definitely. Um, and I think to the second part of your questions, being upfront is also very, very important. So really understand um, the customers, organizations and how things are connected, who is responsible for what, um, who is giving the, the, the final final tick to, to the box, when should these people be involved? What do they need to be able to decide? Um, so try to being upfront. Um, I'm not saying this is always fixing it, right? But I think being upfront, being uh, in, in collaborations with the relevant stakeholders is, uh, is absolutely, absolutely key to avoid uh, issues in, in, in a late phase, right? So, oh, I wasn't aware of that. And have you, have you filled out the form number, whatever? Yeah. Oh no, we haven't heard about that. Okay. Yeah. And I think issues. being proactive in that is important. So I've seen a lot of sellers be surprised, you know, time and time again, that there's going to be a security review of the solution, right? We're mm -hmm. selling software. There's going to be a security, you know what, Pro how about proactively sending our own security certifications and everything over to them? Wouldn't that help save time? And so um, how about proactively sending over a business case? Tim, you said it's better to collaborate with them, but you can be proactive in at least sending over the pro forma, right? And then using that as the starting. So I think there's a proactive facilitation that we could do toward the end as helpers to really streamline the decision-making process because we see the same things in deal after deal, the same hurdles in deal after deal. And I think one of the things we could do as a good pre-sales engineer is kind of even if our sellers aren't doing that, anticipate that, right? And guide them to make sure that, you know, maybe we're the ones that are providing the business case. We're the ones that are providing the security documentation or the, whatever the integration review might be and trying to line up that these are the common elements that we need to provide our champion with proactively to make sure that we're not getting stalled in those later deal cycles. So guys, we're meeting the end of our journey today. Um, what's the one piece of advice, and I'll throw this, Jan, to you first, and then Tim second. What's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our evolvers with today? So to me, it's definitely um, be, be happy, right? Even in, even in these times that you can connect and interact with, uh, with other people, with potential um, customers, and, 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 and just focus on, on, on their needs needs and uh, ask yourself what do I need to do to be relevant for, for, for my target group because I believe if you're relevant for them uh, you will be successful at the end of the day. Be happy, be helpful and be relevant. I love it. Tim? So I have a very tactical thing. Um, in the past few months whenever I jumped on a sales call for the very first time with a prospect and I use 
the microphone that the listeners right now will not be able to see, but I'm using a microphone as you can see, Tom. You've, you've got the they, biggest microphone ever. <laughs> they immediately <laughs> say, hey, what's going on? What do you have there? Ah. So, and I mean, when, when you take like demo to win training or any other pre-sales training, they always talk about like a limbic technique, something that raises the attention and is immediately yeah. like an attention grabber. This microphone is doing wonders for me. So not only is it an attention grabber when we start a meeting, but it's also, I mean, as hopefully the listeners can hear, it's decent voice quality. So my tip would be do something that stands out a little bit. It doesn't have to be the microphone, but in this case, it's two, 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 uh, two pieces for one, right? Because good quality, but also it's attention grabbing, yeah. right? Um, so make sure that maybe your setup is supporting your um, sales role, uh, whether that's good lighting, whether that's good audio quality, so that the prospects perceive you to be um, well-prepared and convey confidence. Awesome. Stand out, be prepared, have presence. And then I think you guys said it before too, which I love, which is, you know, you've got to create an experience. It's almost like we're, we're putting on a show for the customers and we, we have to know that we've got to be respectful of their time and it better be a good show because they want to be entertained. Guys, where can folks find and reach you online from the Evolvers community? So Kansas. the easiest, sorry, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So I think the easiest one is LinkedIn. That's a typical suspect. Um, so LinkedIn, Jan and myself, we both have a personal LinkedIn page. Of course, we also do have a, well, it's a company page for the podcast that we yeah. do. So um, I don't know, Tom, would be great if you could sort of put us in the show notes there. Um, I think that's the easiest way to reach us. We will definitely do that. The sales excellence podcast show note. Uh, show notes will include the link to the sales excellence podcast site. As well, Jan, Eric, and Tim will include your personal LinkedIn addresses so folks can connect and um, link in with you. And you've got a pre-sales community as well um, that I think both of you participate in. Do you want to talk about that for a sec? Yeah, um, thanks for giving us a chance to talk yeah. about it. Um, so James and Yuji, they are the founders of the so-called pre-sales collective. They founded, I think, this year in March, and they already have over 8,000 followers now on LinkedIn. So it has I really exploded. How many followers globally. there were. Yeah. Yeah, but those those two are also machines. They work a lot of um, time on this topic next to their day jobs. So it's really impressive what they've pulled off. And they have installed sort of local chapters. So, and Jan and myself, we were together with Ricarda and a colleague of Jan's um, were asked whether we would take the lead for the German speaking countries, which is Germany, Austria, Switzerland. So we, we were honored to take that up and that's where we engage ourselves as well. Yeah. Excellent. So the pre-sales collective, if you are a pre-sales professional, definitely the place to gather with peers, learn, network. Um, it's absolutely invaluable. We have one on sales enablement, sales enablement society. We love participating in that. So uh, wholehearted support behind the pre-sales collective. And again, the Sales Excellence Podcast is a great resource too. Check it out in the show notes. Thank you both uh, for joining us and participating to make the Evolvers a great and growing community. Jan Eric, thank you. Thanks, Tom. My Tim, thanks. thank you as well. Yeah, thanks for having us, Tom. Awesome. Until next time, Evolvers keep evolving. <laughs>